and welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gawad. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I am a consultant radiologist. Um, my name is Thrusha Gawad now. I'm a cardiology registrar and I'm always uh, subspecializing in coronary intervention. And we have a very special guest with us. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a meme person. I like memes. And uh, well, here we go. We've got the meme registrar, meme, the meme, the meme account, the meme account that you should be following is here with us today. Go ahead, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, my name is Arafat, and I run the meme reg on call Twitter page. And thank you so much for having me on today. You're welcome, man. I mean, it's an honor to have you. Don't you think, Thrusha? I mean, um... yeah, so awesome. You're a, you, you like memes? <laughs> yeah, mate. It's just like consistently just uh, just putting out like great content. It's hilarious. People always ask me, how, how do you have so much time to make memes when you're, when you're a trainee and all this? And I always just say to people, everybody's got to poop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the next time you see a meme, you'll know where I was. Well, you know, that's actually happens when you get a call from Thrusha. You pretty much know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you'd miss call me that odd, the odd couple of times. <laughs> That's actually happened, doesn't it? Yeah, that has or does. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we we both enjoy a lot of memes, and I think there's a few accounts, isn't there? There's like Tech Priest, he does a few memes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zach, obviously, Zach does Ferguson. It. Everybody yeah. thinks I'm Zach. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> Everybody thinks I'm Zach Ferguson. That's a compliment, is it? Isn't it a compliment? Quite a good-looking chap, maybe a bit short. Yeah, I think but, so. You know. yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm not particularly tall, but I think I'm taller than him. One would hope so. <laughs> but um, I got to say, like, I was actually, I think I told you through, I want to, I want to take these guys on. Like, I, I've got a pretty decent meme game. I want to have like a meme-a-thon. Yeah. One day, like getting some memes out and trying to see if we can see who the best memer is. I chickened out, man, because, uh, yeah, you guys are just too good. Like, I won't be able to keep up with you a lot. Yeah, I mean, they're the big boys, mate. They're the big yeah. boys. You, yeah, you, yeah, you they need really to train are. Some more. You need to spend more time on the shitter. Just yeah, more time in that toilet. Like, <laughs> grafting away. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So, I mean, like, how did it start off? Right? I mean, you were telling us it was quite a bit of a... Um, so, give us a history of the meme, the meme reg on yeah. call. Who was the meme reg on call? How did this happen to you? Yeah, so um, I just enjoyed making memes and sharing memes and all of that because I, I realised... The more memes I found online, um, you know, thoughts or experience that I thought I'd had by myself, other people were having. And the more memes you see, the more you realize there's nothing unique or special about any of us. Yeah. Everyone mm. has ha- had these experiences already or these thoughts already. So I think that fed into this whole imposter syndrome that we all have in medicine, that everybody's convinced, you know, I'm the dumbest person here. I need to not get found out. But actually, we're all feeling the exact same thing. Um, so I started making some memes around that and thing, and I joined Twitter. I didn't really know much about social media, so I, I used to just send these things on WhatsApp. Um, and then I joined social media, and I, I used you know a fake picture and a vague name like Meme Raj on call because I thought, oh, you know, the GMC is going to come after me or something. Hmm. And within about ten minutes, I realised actually there's nothing I do that's a problem at all compared to what other yeah, people are up to. Yeah, there's way worse stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was like, no, do you know what? I'm absolutely fine. Um, but I think sometimes whatever the message is gets mixed with the messenger. And so mm. I like having, like, I've never hidden who I am. And I, I link to things where my real name is and stuff. But I try not to put too much of myself on the Twitter account because I want everybody to be able to enjoy the memes uh, mm. and be a distraction from the stress of work. 
Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because, you know, we've got a friend, the radiologist page, but people don't realise that his name is on there. It says exactly who he is, but they kind of, it gets treated like a bit of an anonymous account a lot of the Mm. time. But I I guess it's a good thing. It doesn't distract from the overall message. Like he's quite interested in memes as well. Actually, he's a bit of a meme meme person. And um, yeah, he also, he's about radiology. He's about making it fun and interesting and engaging. Um, It's interesting you talked about not being, you know, that feeling of not being a real doctor. I mean, that's come up this week, hasn't it, as one of the tweets. I'm just curious as to how we attract these accounts. It's like for every time someone types in the word psychiatry and I actively engage with the critical thought reading Lang at the moment, but the unnuanced psychiatry bashing online is baffling. So there was a bit of bashing of psychiatry and it seems to be another trigger word that people have, right? So we we talked with Phil about how helmets can be a trigger word. We know vaccines can be a trigger word. I wasn't actually aware that psychiatry could be a trigger word as well for people. What's the issue with psychiatrists all of a sudden? I noticed it happened uh, this week with a different tweet. There was someone who's tweeting about kind of um, happy uh, Mexican Doctor's Day. And then, so she didn't actually even mention being a psychiatrist. And then someone replied with this kind of uh, account. Yeah, it was Happy Mexican Doctor's Day. It was a tweet by Emmeline Lagoons. And it was on October 23rd. And it just said, Happy Mexican Doctor's Day to all my amazing colleagues. And then this guy, he just went, you're not a real doctor. And then he kept posting these YouTube videos of like, I don't know, some guys from like 1950s like talking about how like psychiatry. I didn't even watch them, so I don't know. Just not Yeah, I didn't really. watch them. It's bonkers, isn't it? But what's, I, I don't understand what, what, like how why would someone there's so many things you could spend energy on right you could either make the world a better place or if you don't want to do that you could sit and get angry at people online but for someone that's just saying happy doctor's day in mexico how does that then get you to start going off on one absolutely like this person's clicked on her and then looked on her bio and seen psychiatrist and then just gone off gone off and then uh I mean, they've got that agenda, don't they? I mean, they've they've they're trying to they're already ready and waiting for for that kind of thing, and they've got an argument they want to push across. But I mean, we talked about this the other day. But like, yeah, I mean, there are certain sex people that don't think psychiatry is a real thing. I mean, Tom Cruise, Scientology, they're they're mm. very anti psychiatry, aren't they? I mean, we've seen we've seen what the kind of stuff he talks about, doesn't that? Haven't we? Yeah, I mean, that guy's he's a psycho, though, isn't he? I remember like I, whenever like someone mentions him, I get this mental image, you know, like of when Nicole Kidman got the divorce. Have you seen the picture mm. of her? Like. Walk, leaving the courtroom oh looking relieved yeah yeah it literally it reminds me of the end of Shawshank Redemption you know when he like comes out of the like uh, <laughs> of the sewers and he's like this she uh, his hands up in the air like he's like crawled through shit she looks exactly like that so um mm. whenever I think of Tom Cruise I'm like that guy can you imagine like being married, being married to him was, was hard was hard but I just think like I mean, what do, what do people like that with those troll accounts? Say, for example, who are like you're not a psycho. Like, why does it really matter to them anyway? Like, what kind of perspective? Like, what? So, you're not a doctor. So what? Like, so I mean, like, what is the next? What are we? Sp- what are they supposed to take from that? Okay, I'm not a doctor. Do they want someone to reply and go, "Oh my God, you're so right. I'm not not yeah, going yeah. to work tomorrow. Thank you for pointing <laughs> yeah. this out to me on Twitter." <laughs> Until you came along, I was in some delusion where I thought all these years of med school and training were worth something. But now, thanks to your very very helpful tweet, I'm just not going to go to work tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> what? But then what's that? What? That's that troll account going to do then? They're going to find need to find a new purpose. They'll have to delete all those bookmarked YouTube videos and be like. <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to have to go after, I don't know, Flat Earth and say, like, Flat Earth things. Respiratory doctors. (laughs) (laughs) It's just inhalers. They're just different coloured inhalers. They're all the same. They're just different colours. 
Yeah, Isn't exactly. That? Sometimes we give steroids to people too. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. How complicated can it be? Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are some things that like, we talked about this the other day, like, you know, what do people think doctors really do? And, you know, obviously there's a lot of paperwork that goes behind being a doctor. But then what about the, you know, the play, the people that, you know, people think that doctors should be seeing people, facing people, treating disease. But it does go back to like, at what point do we call disease disease? And, you know, what, how do we define what disease really is? And so when mm -hmm. people... You know, mental health can be under the cover for lots of people. Some people will have mental health issues, not even realize for, for a very long time until they start getting help for it. And so I guess maybe for these people, they don't really believe in mental illness. Is that what it, what it could be? Then they just think that uh, there's something wrong with the way someone thinks and therefore that's not a, a medical problem. You can't medicalize a mental issue. Is that Maybe that's where they're coming from on this. And actually the definition of disease always reminds me of one of the lectures that we had in med school. And he, he the guy, I think it was a guy or anyway, the, the lecturer was talking about um, at what point do we classify disease? Because, you know, like being short, being tall can be classified as disease to some people because they may feel as though, it, you know, actually encroaches on how, how they can live their life. And even to the point like the, the shape of your nose, for some people that can make a massive effect on, on how they live their life, right? Because if they're better looking with a better looking nose, it may equal better opportunities in life. So at what point do we start to re say that something's disease and something is not? And so as a society, we've said that no, having a different shaped nose from the way you want it to be is not a disease and therefore the NHS won't pay for it. If you're shorter, you don't get, you don't get, or you got one leg short than the other, you're not really gonna have very much happening for that. Maybe that's the idea that these guys, these people go on. Psychiatry, psychiatric illness, mental health is not a real disease and therefore you don't need to be medicating it. That does lead us on to kind of like mentality though, isn't it? Because there was, there was an article in the Times, right? So there's, uh, the headline goes, Amazon Prime mentality blamed for crowds at A&E, GP says. And so, um, the first line, so it's from a, a GP in Winsford, Cheshire, called Dr. Jonathan Griffiths. And he said that uh, the increasing number of patients who could have been seen by their GP attending A&E inst um, instead uh, for an increase in demand. He said that it's this kind of Amazon Prime mentality. Um, mm. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I love Amazon Prime. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go to space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a... Um, yeah, people don't like that, do they? They get the yeah. I mean, they're like, do you want to sort out the world's issues? But uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the subtext is a kind of high expectations, but not wanting to wait for anything. Do you think that's true? Like, I feel like when you tell a person when when I see when I uh, tell a person in clinic, oh, we're going to arrange the scan and stuff for you, and they ask you how long it's going to be, and you say, well, it's going to, oh, I'm really sorry, like you know, the wait might be a little while or whatever. Most people are like, yeah, yeah, I understand. I just want to have an idea of like you know, when I might hear from, but like most people, unless they're like really, really stressed and like, oh, I've got so many symptoms. I want to, you know, most people understand, like they know, they know the deal. So do you think that's really fair? I think it's about how you manage expectations. So if you know something is going to be far away, if you know something's going to happen in three months, but at least you know that, mm. that's fine. I think part of the problem, you know, I was talking to friends and whoever recently that were trying to access GP services and GPs are obviously slammed, mm. right? They've got crazy amounts of work to do and there's just not enough of them and certain practices have you know infrastructure to help deal with the extra demand there's like these online services you can drop a message to the gp and they might call you back or send you a text or whatever and that's great and other places you're stuck trying to phone and whatever else and when you don't know when the appointment's going to happen when, when when you feel like you're not in control of being able to join the queue even mm -hmm. then you probably start feeling like oh actually maybe I'm just going to go to a &E. And then 
on the TV and stuff, there's all these stories about missed cancers and things like that. And so I think it, I don't know, it's, it's weird when it's your own anxiety as a patient. Mm. You're like, oh my God, I need to do something about this. Mm. Um, and you are scared of missing something. And what if it's this and what if it's that? And, you know, I, I know myself, if, if a relative or a friend is unwell versus a patient and they've got the exact same thing, mm. With a relative, you start going through all the worst case scenario in the back of your head. What if it's this? What if it's that? What if I've given the wrong advice? Um, so I think it's about how do you reassure people? I don't think people want immediate treatment, immediate everything just now, you know. But I think it's about how do we reassure people? Mm. Um, and saying, you know, people have an Amazon Prime mentality. Does that help us solve the underlying problem? I don't think so because there's a whole you know with amazon prime it's all about convenience whereas wanting to see a doctor quickly it's more about your anxiety and and your concerns about your own health i guess that's true but i mean uh, i think yeah i guess we've seen this argument before and i think as a quite a long ago we had this episode where we talked about a gp letter to their patients and they mentioned about how there's a Netflix generation of patients that they're dealing with where, you know, they want to be see- they want to be seen as soon as possible. They want things to happen as soon as possible. And um, I completely agree with you, Arafat, that, you know, it is about managing expectations. But actually, me being now more of a doctor's doctor in a, in a lot of ways, because most of my interactions are with other doctors, I can see the same sort of um, same sort of behavior, you know, from people. So, for example, the other day, actually, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now. Someone was asking me to get a scan through as soon as possible. And I was like, yeah, fine, we'll do it as soon as possible, right? And they said, no, but it's urgent. I thought, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it, it's urgent, right? I mean, guess what? The person who called me prior to you, it was urgent. That's what they told me. And the person before that also said it was urgent. So then they, mm. they had to call me back about something else. And then they're like, oh, by the way, you know that scan? Have you let that through? I was like, yeah, yeah, let that through already. He's like, you know, you know that's urgent. And I, uh-huh. <laughs> you've pretty much said urgent about four times in this, con- yeah. the, the, in this conversation that we've had. I get it. Everyone is urgent. I don't control like, you know, how the list goes, how, where they are in the hospital, how long is it going to take them to get down? I've already written urgent on the form. What else do you want from me? But that's, those mm. are the times when I think, man, this must be what it's like. it is like for GPs, right? When you're dealing with a patient yeah. who wants something urgently, they just think, because for them, it's the biggest thing on their planet right now that yeah. they can't do what they usually do. So if you're going to tell them, well, you're going to have to wait a bit or I don't know when it's going to happen, and you may be telling the truth, you may Yeah, not. but that's the thing. If yeah. you say to them, I don't know when it's going to happen, mm. that's where the anxiety comes. If you say to them, the list is really busy, this is going to happen next Tuesday, and they can sit and... I think that's how you reassure people you got, this can happen next Tuesday, and mm. in my opinion, that's a perfectly safe amount of time for you to be waiting for this. Yeah. Mm. I think that diffuses the situation. Yeah, I, I'd like to think so, but I don't think it does with other doctors. Yeah, no, no, no yeah. other doctors. No, their doctors are all terrible. Well, the requests are like down as urgent, so then urgent almost loses its meaning, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. We said it before. When everything, when everything's urgent, nothing's urgent. Nothing's yeah. urgent. But I just think, do you think framing it as like Amazon Prime or like as Netflix, which are kind of luxuries, aren't they? But like your health isn't really a luxury. Like if you're a patient, I think I'm not sure framing it that way. Mm. But then on the other side, like people are willing to pay what fifteen, twenty pounds a month for Netflix or Amazon Prime, mm. but. If you were to say to them, oh, you need to now start paying that a month so that you could conceivably see someone as quick, you know, much more quickly and stuff. Do you think people would still, do you think there'd be uproar? uproar? I think so, yeah. Because, I mean, that we've, we've talked about, like, there's a difference between uh, spending money on entertainment and spending money on things like your health, right? And so people will spend thousands on entertainment. I mean, there are people out there that will travel up and down the country to watch football games, even though that'll be a large chunk of their income. 
you know, and, and that's what they enjoy. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But when it comes to sort of uh, entertainment enjoyment, people are more willing to spend a lot more time and effort on that, more on on that rather than the things that may you know may actually impact their lives in other ways, right? I mean that that's that's why the Tory government suddenly start talking about football in the House of Parliament when the prices go up in football, but then suddenly on the on the dealo take away kids meals and something else, and people are not mm. even noticing because they've talked about football. They're dealing with the 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 people's sport. It's a, it, I mean, for me anyway, it feels like a bit of a distraction. You keep, keep, them, keep them distracted, keep them watching. Yeah, and with this distraction thing, there's like this argument of Amazon Prime and whatever. So we all know there's stresses across the system everywhere, primary care, secondary care, whatever. Mm. Um, and either the argument is doctors are lazy and doctors need to be working harder and more efficient or this sort of language of, oh, it's patients and they're sort of Netflix generation and Amazon Prime generation, blah, blah. Mm. It's sort of, putting a blame onto the patients yeah, as well and being like, you are mm. being unreasonable. Yeah. And I think actually it, it's about trying to find what's the actual root cause of all this problem mm. in terms of the excess workload and how do we support patients and staff mm. to deliver results that work for everybody rather than blaming people one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, it kind of brings us on to this uh, next tweet, doesn't it? Where um, I'll read it out. So amusing to hear that attempts to smear GPs doing vaccination as being in it for the money. It's £12.36 a dose. I think if every man, woman and child in this country had three doses, it would cost £2 billion, or about 9% of what Test and Trace has already cost. So, I mean... So that was by yeah, Nick Grundy, a GP. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, and he's basically talking about the fact that... Um, you know, or you know, one minute you're being said, told you're a hero, thank you so much for doing the vaccinations, and all of a sudden now they're being 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 labelled as money hungry individuals trying to trying to make some extra money by doing the vaccinations. I mean, I don't know. You know, when it's three a.m. and I'm stuck in the middle of MAU doing another Medridge night shift, my mind always goes to Ah, oh, I wish I had some of that sweet sweet vaccine money. <laughs> <laughs> How do people think we get paid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, they just, um, I don't know, like I feel as though money always seems to taint uh, taint a person, especially if they're a doctor. Like if you, if, a, if, if the member of the public or anyone finds out that a doctor's making money, whatever way it is, whatever way they've done it, it makes a doctor look bad, you know? I just think that that's um, a really sad place to be because no one's going to be, well, I, I assume no one's doing things for free. You know, you're not going to, co- it would be nice if you did, but you still got to have a life. You still got to be able to, you know, live. And um, and so what if you're motivated by money? I mean, the uh, the ultimate outcome of any doctor's job is to generally do a good thing, right? And um, if they get paid for it, they get paid for it. So what? But Keep going. if it costs about £250,000 to treat each medical student to become doctors, and then, you know, <laughs> then I guess people want their money's worth. Yeah, they do. I mean, this is um, referring to that tweet, isn't it? Um, it's, oh, who was it? It was a professor. So you've got to take it seriously. But, you know, yeah, Fab, mm. Fabo tweeted about this. Uh, a professor, you know, that's a big, strong, you know, thing. Professor, someone says a professor, you're listening. Okay, I don't know what you're professor of, but fair enough. You're a professor. Thank you for coming. King's College, <laughs> London. Oh, okay. Oh, Ooh, that's, uh, that's yeah. a big place. That's somewhere in London. It has London. Sorry, anyone who's not in London, you don't matter. London does. Uh, sir, the health service should, of course, have sufficient docs to provide skilled care, but it seems that a significant portion of those funded by the government, it costs about 250000 
£50,000 to train each medical student to become doctors, do not even enter the workforce. Perhaps medical and other healthcare professional education that is funded by the taxpayer expenses should require some obligation upon the recipients to work in the NHS, etc, etc. We know where it's going. We've seen this before. They're saying that, you know, if taxpayers pay for you to get educated, you should, i.e. pay them back by working uh, and not leaving the NHS. There's a few implications and a few assumptions here. Well, I mean, let's just debunk the most stupid thing, which is that they're all leaving the workforce. Because if you look at the fill rate of posts, they're all like, so someone's literally, they're one of the replies, uh, which is, let's quote that person. So that was by um, Natalie Davies. So mm. she showed that kind of the fill post numbers throughout the UK were 95% and above. Or one was 92%. But it's extraordinary. Like, And so what that tells us is that there, there are uh, there aren't enough posts. There certainly are kind of applicants, and they are filling those posts, mm. but there aren't enough posts. So this whole kind of not entering the workforce thing—that's BS, isn't it? There's, that's one thing. It just feels a bit like a bit of a bugbear, doesn't it? For this person, they obviously assume that if you're not working full time, you're not you're not as good. You're not giving back. So Arafat, how far how, are you part time? Hell yes! <laughs> it's the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> Yeah, go on, tell us about that. I don't that. go to work on a Wednesday. Yeah. And so that Friday feeling, I get on a Tuesday as well. <laughs> nice. And on top of that, I'm a flexible portfolio trainee. So 20% of my time is supposed to be spent learning about IT, which of course I know nothing about. Um, um, so yeah, so I'm getting, I only go to work like 60% of the time. Um, and it's brilliant. So what are your Wednesdays for? What do you do on a Wednesday? Do you have like a special routine? Like, uh, is it like American Psycho? It's childcare. It's childcare. Oh, childcare. Uh, oh. I hang out with the baby. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, you're one of those. I thought it was going to be like American Psycho. You know, like you wake up and you put some special cream mask on and do 4,000 press-ups. And, oh, yeah. and then you like, I don't know. I wake up and make the, the baby porridge. Yeah, man. That's, that's, that's the job. Oh, yeah, yeah I know that life. I know that yeah, life. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, um, how what, how are you how are you finding being part time? Like, you know, with your your colleagues, your consultants, are they cool? Are they like, oh, okay, well, you don't work Wednesdays, that's all right? Or are they a bit like, oh, he doesn't work Wednesdays, fine, we'll have to find someone else to do this. I mean, how are you finding that experience? Um, so I'm actually in a really really supportive hospital just now. Mm. Um, my consultants are really really big on education, mm. um, and we were talking about this the other day. They were like, the ward will run without you. You don't need to be here. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're very much about use your time for getting involved in projects and education and work out what you need for your portfolio and your personal development. So when I'm doing respiratory, I feel like a medical student. Like I go where I want, I do what I want. I think, oh, actually, I need to learn more about cancers. So I'm going to go to cancer clinic this week. Or actually, I need to learn more about ILD. So I'm going to go do that. So I feel very free and floaty all the time. Um, and everyone is very, very, very supportive. Um I can imagine there are places that are less supportive and would be annoyed. But for the the places that I've worked so far, I can't imagine anyone having a problem with it. Having said that, I I work in Manchester. You guys are further south than I am. And things seem to get more and more intense the further south you go. Well, it's funny. I mean, like, because Abby, I remember she was talking about that she's less than full time. She's in Liverpool, isn't she? And she was, she she's Mersey. And I feel like she was saying that sometimes when she's kind of, she's had that set day off. Or, you know, that kind of, um, and then often like there's a consultant who's like consistently surprised every time. It's like, where's the time of the week again? Like, but they still seem to forget each time. Like, oh, you're Mm. in tomorrow. Why aren't you in tomorrow? Um, Which might just Mm. be passive aggression, I guess. But um, uh, there's this kind of like a slightly um, malign uh, attitude from the consultants towards her. 
And I think that's kind of rooted in that. And I, I've got a colleague who, when he went less than full time, that was met with resistance and just kind of ab- abject confusion. It was just like, why would you, why would you want to spend more time with your children? Isn't that what's your, what's wrong with your wife, kind of thing, and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that was a question that you got asked by a female consultant. Oh wow! Like, but I mean, that whole kind of bizarre uh, narrative. There, there was that really good uh, tweet by, well, it's a tweet of a TikTok by uh, Dr. Glaucon Flecken, and it was titled Change the Culture, if you guys want to look it up, which I thought was really awesome. Did you guys see it? Brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, that guy has just been uh, hit the nail on the head again, hasn't he? Just absolutely hit it out of the park. So, so what good. we all feel, what we all think. Um, yeah, Arafat, do you want to tell us about what actually happens in the video? So if anyone hasn't watched yeah. it yet, go watch it. It's really good. Dr. Glaucon Flecken on, on TikTok or Twitter. So I can't, I can't remember how it started, but basically it's, there's a junior doctor of some variety who is going to go home and then the attending gets really upset with him about, you know, well, back in my day, we used to work this hard and work 4,000 hours a week and whatever else. And then in the video, he becomes a medical student and has a go and says, well, actually, we have x more times more debt we do we have to learn five times as much medicine as you did because there's been so many more discoveries we've got to do this and this and this and he just puts the consultant in their place Mm. and my favorite thing about the video is the character that he takes on to put the attending or the consultant down is a medical student Mm. because i don't know in real life you can't imagine a medical student being like that to a consultant and putting them in their place so i loved that they just flip the entire power dynamic upside down Mm. but it's so true isn't it like um i think someone a while ago mentioned how um you know like if you go back in back in the day you'll find that phds were done in a couple of pages you know Mm. and now all of a sudden you know not all of a sudden but now if you're going to get a phd is going to take significantly more work i mean you know how much work you do through shift for your md you know, it's it's so much work, but, but you know, back in those days, it used to be like a couple of pages and you're done. So people don't appreciate like how how much time has changed and how much has changed in medicine as a whole since their day, you know, in quotation marks, yeah. right? And that's something that needs to maybe hopefully come across to people. I mean, forget since their day, like now, medical students that I see on the ward or whatever else, I'm always surprised by how smart they are and how much they know Mm. um and i'm like damn you know you're like third year and you know more than i knew six weeks ago (coughs) well i thought there was something quite kind of prophetic about that kind of um the fact that it was a medical student because in some ways i've noticed i don't know if it's one of those things where you kind of go oh medical students these days but i have noticed that they seem a bit more like um a bit more balanced a bit more i don't know a bit more like savvy about what they want to do with their lives and stuff and I, and I I think it might be a Zuma thing. Maybe like I kind of uh, have rose tinted glasses like looking at them. But I do think, oh, you know what? They, they're kind of plucky, you know? And, um, mm, and mm, where, Definitely. Yeah, whereas I was just like so meek. But like, they back it up. They back yeah. it up with good knowledge and skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, you can see some of them on Twitter, can't you? Like Keode and Co. Like, you know, they, they kind mm. of... Um, so it kind of does make you think, oh, you know, when we're old and infirm, they'll be looking after us and that that would be a good thing. <laughs> We'll be in good hands. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see, isn't it? They know, they know what they're standing for. They know what they're about. I mean, a lot more than I did. I mean, I was, yeah, I, was, I feel now when I look back, I was all over the place. Like, I, didn't, I was kind of doing what I was yeah. told to do. You know, like, if I wanted to go part-time, I don't know if I would have or could have. Like, I just, I wouldn't even thought about it. But now you kind of really realise, like, how important it is to, like, look after yourself. You know, that kind of brings us on to um, a Reddit thread, wasn't it, that came up um, during the week where... Basically, a medical student found them. Or no, it's an F two F two doctor 
they're being rotating round, and then they were suddenly in charge of a inpatient. Um, they were in charge of an outpatient clinic, and there was out of the blue, they were basically taking on work that wasn't really. They're not really trained to do. They felt completely out of their depth. Um, and we've all been there, haven't we? Where you know you turn up on your first day of a new rotation, um, you know, and then all of a sudden you find yourself pretending that you you having to pretend that you know what you're doing when actually it's your first day on the job. But where do you? I mean, have you guys been in that situation? All the time. I'm there like today. <laughs> <laughs> well, one would hope you'd know a little bit more by now. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but this is the thing. Every year I look back at the last year and think. Why did anyone let me see patients independently back then? <laughs> and then I worry, you know, everyone that like when I was an F2, now I think back at when I was an F2 in A&E sending people home. And I was like, why did anybody ever let me decide who could be discharged? <laughs> yeah. That was such a bad idea. Yeah. But you always feel like that, don't you? You, you always yeah. feel like you're not going to be good enough. But I think, you know, I think that's going to be always the case. Like I've, I've talked about this for a lot. Like, you know, I, I am a consultant on paper, but I don't really feel like, I still feel like I'm covering, covering things up. I feel like, you know, any moment now, someone's going to be like, listen, dude, you say you're a consultant, but you're clearly not. And then they're going to just show, or they're, gonna, they're building out this massive database of work. But I guess the, the situation that is a bit un- unnerving like, is for anyone that gets pushed into a role that they're not really ready for. Yeah, like, I, yeah. When do you actually ask the person, like, oh, are you okay with doing this rather than just shoving them in and be like, well, go ahead and do that. Then what do you do? You know? Well, I think in totally in this example, I mean, so this is, so just to be specific about the title, so it was called covering routine outpatient slash day case jobs whilst being on call for level two inpatients, acceptable or dangerous, a plea for advice. And that was by Bitchstock five days ago on Junior Doctors <laughs> UK. Uh, great name. These Reddit <laughs> names are awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so I think the thing is, is that, I mean, it does remind me of, there are times where I'd go from, I remember when I did a lat and I was in a kind of tertiary center and I went from being like a, you know, very junior registrar to suddenly being in a tertiary center in an EP clinic where I was getting mm. kind of a letter. I was having to look at a letter from like a consultant colleague in cardiology being like, you know, will you see this person for an ablation? And obviously mm. like this is stuff that I'd always gone like run by the consultant, but being like, and I know that the clinic was primarily for my own education. Okay, fine. But for this F2, it sounds like they're supervising stress tests and stuff and i did have to do that as well as an f2 i remember supervising treadmill tests which probably less bad than i don't know like an echo stress test and whatever but i remember the physiologist who was this kind of who looked like he was an old hand and he literally called me like a one trench wonder and i was so young (laughs) didn't even know what really what that meant i had to ask him like i don't even know what that means what does that mean (laughs) and he was like basically saying like people promoted to to like beyond the, like beyond their experience to into you know to like this position of control with which they have like no idea and I was a bit like yeah that's that's actually that's fair actually yeah so is this just not, is this like what am I doing uh, but, um, and that's essentially what ends up happening isn't it you end up asking the nurse like oh what should I do and it's crazy isn't it mm. and you think like you'd hope that induction would be better and you'd hope that the supervision mm. would be better but it sounds like in this poor, poor chap scenario it sounds horrendous like that I can see why they're stressed. I think that's the thing. The ideal is to have really good supervision, but be slightly outside of your comfort zone, be, you know, being forced to make decisions and, but with a safety net of someone else going, oh, by the way, did you think of this or mm. doing that instead or whatever else? Um, but in reality, we've all been in jobs where we're outside our comfort zone. Mm. And, you know, I can imagine situations where people are too scared to ask for help. And if they did, it would be readily offered. Mm. But I, also, I can imagine so many scenarios where people ask for help and it's not available to them. And that's that's a real shame. 
But you know, like we we know or have been in a situation where you don't feel like you you know enough. You're a bit like, you know, mm. I don't know what I'm doing. But when the patient asks you something like, have you done this before, doc? I mean, you don't <laughs> really tell them, do you? <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Loads of times in the back of your head, you're thinking, no, mate, I don't, this is the first time I don't know what I'm doing. But you don't say you don't say anything. I think Meho did a really good tweet is when you're doing a procedure and you're saying <laughs> you're doing really well. You're yeah, actually saying to yourself you're doing really well, <laughs> which is so true. Yeah. But we had this other tweet which really got a lot of traction this week. And it was this um, this doctor took their, their kid into A&E. Oh, but it was in America, wasn't it? But they took him to the ER and they had a... Um, a facial laceration a big gash on their face uh, it was involving the eyebrow and you know they decided that they wanted to ask for, you know use a bit of professional courtesy and say listen do you mind getting plastics involved because I don't want an ER doc put, you know putting uh, putting sutures in my, my kid's face um, and to me I don't know like when I read that I thought yeah I'd probably do the same because you kind of know the ins and outs you, you know that there are some people you know with plastics so much of their job is how it looks. I mean, they they spend a long time putting, you know, sewing that thing together to be as pristine as possible. And when you've got that kind of thing on someone's face, you want to you want to know that it's been, you know, looked after as best as possible. I don't know, but it just sort of seemed to take a, a crazy turn, didn't it? Well, this is the thing. I think the tweet itself was something that we all probably disagree with, and it wasn't a big deal. It was the reaction to it that was bizarre. There was a a, a reply about the huge reaction this had. It was on Twitter from someone called Beatrice Copps. And, you know, she said, sexual harassment allegations against a colleague within our specialty, crickets. One black mother saying she feels more comfortable having a surgeon repair her child's laceration. Time to take out the soapbox. And this was a thing. Hmm. It was, you know, so none of us know the full story of what happened there. You know, what's the standard practice in that hospital you know, people are making so many assumptions. Well, what about the skill of the ED doctor? What about this? What about, well, in my hospital, I'd get max facts involved, blah, blah, blah. Mm. It's like, this is just a person who went to Twitter to talk about their day. Mm. Why are we all suddenly starting to judge this, that? And then, you know, it, they just get attached with the angry black lady label. Um, when, like you said, most of us would probably want the same thing in the same situation yeah. anyway. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and I know when I was an F2 making a mess in a having no idea what I was doing, I would never try and do that and I don't think any of my regs would we, you know, we had Maxfax on site and that's that's who would get involved mm. um, so I, I don't know people are weird it's, it's so weird isn't it I mean, there, there, was, there was a lot of butt hurt wasn't there there was loads of people just kind <laughs> yeah. of like, like I mean like the, these, do- these doctors are obviously like amazing at their jobs and stuff but like you know if I we just have to accept sometimes that like if a person does if that's what all they do like it's the whole generalist versus specialist thing right I think mm. like um yes like you're um you're probably amazing at putting a surgical chest drain in for a trauma but like I don't know I probably would still prefer like a respiratory person to put in a chest drain than any than an ED like it just I don't know like you just but that's just the way it is like it's about the comfort of the patient as well like it might you might be better okay you know like you don't need everyone to be like yay you're better like just you know if mm. they ask for someone else to do it but they're like oh well we're here 24 7 and they're not and whatever and yeah. it's like well it's during the day and so she asked for that person like okay what's the problem mm. now but you yeah, know so much anger and there's one guy who replied 
Um, so the original thread, if you wanted to look it up, I mean, it's still there, is by eking719. But the, the, some of the replies were just so toxic, weren't they? Like some person compared it to microaggressions. That was by Ryan Marino, mm. which very disappointing from a blue tick. I'd expect better from you, Mr. Blue Tick. But there's this other guy who was like, <laughs> I'm an ED physician and I am... I think it's Dr. Blue Tick. Dr. Blue Tick to you. <laughs> Dr. Sir <laughs> Professor Blue Tick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And there was this other guy who was like, I'm an EG physician and I am insulted. You need to delete this right now. And I was like, wow. wow. Yeah, wow. why get insulted? You know, for me, whenever someone asks, they go, oh, do you know what? I'd much rather a consultant did this. Or sometimes you get, I'd much rather a white doctor or whatever. I'm like, great. One less thing for me <laughs> yeah, to do. Later. Thank you very much. I'm off Good to the toilet. Part. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Gonna go make some memes. Um, I don't get why people get insulted by it. It's bizarre. Uh, yeah, it's it is bizarre. I mean, I I don't know. I I, I don't know. I think recently, I, I don't know if I did. I say this on a podcast. Basically, during during lockdown, my son was right jumping up and down in the bed, and he's about three. And he went. He face planted into the headboard, and it's one of those IKEA Malm headboards. So it's got a corner. And at oh, first, no, shame. Uh, it was just um, one of the situations where, like, when he hit it, when he hit his head, I just thought to myself, like, yeah, well, you know, he's hit his head again. Yeah, what can you wait, do? Wait, like, he, he Imran, did... Imran Lasker. What were, wait, is that, was that your first thought? What were you doing when he fell? I was on the bed. I was sitting on the bed no. and he was running. What? Gone. Oh no, you're talking about the other, no, that was the oh. other day. No, I'll, oh, fine, yeah, I'll talk about that. Oh, okay, so you, you want to talk about that as well? Okay, we can talk about that. But uh, this but this doesn't make me look like a bad dad. All right, anyway, I'll talk about that too since you bring it up. But um, no, so he 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 went face-planted into the corner and at first I thought, yeah, fine, you know, like these kids get hurt. So, I, But he was crying a lot. I thought, that's a bit weird, like it's a bit unusual. And then my wife almost fainted, generally. Like, and I was, what, what's going on? And there was literally blood that's gushing out of his eye. And I was like, oh, uh, wow. wow, 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 wow. So I put him down, you know, got like... My, I think I took my t-shirt something and I put it onto it and held it and then it, when, it, when I finally took it apart you could see his eyebrow was like opened up it was literally oh. split open right through and I was like great what am I going to do plus this pandemic like you know where am I going to go so I started yeah. calling up all my plastics mates and yeah. saying like what should I do and they sorted me out it was really good but yeah. I, I knew that was a, I knew I think that was really insulting to ED exactly exactly <laughs> that's what yeah, I mean you check yourself exactly yeah, I, I, not thinking I when I saw that tweet I was like okay well I didn't know that was insulting to ED for me to contact my plastics mates because I know that my kid's got a laceration on his eyebrow and I'd rather get a plastics person sort of thankfully it looks quite good now Tharusha wants to talk about another occasion where my <laughs> poor son hit himself is um, I recently got the Oculus thank you um, OMG Tanya for recommending that's been a great fun and um, it was one of the situations where my older daughter wanted to play on the Oculus and she kept asking me to sort it out for her and it was getting really annoying so then I said fine fine so I sat on the sofa I put the VR headset on my head and I was uh, okay I might have decided to have a quick game of uh, Beat Saber or something and then in the meantime my son decides that he wants to climb <laughs> on the sofa uh, and yeah and he falls off and he hits his face again and I you know I heard him fall I heard that hit and I said to my daughter can you just make sure he's okay and I'm still sort of swiping around in the background and then my daughter said oh no no he's really hurt he's really hurt dad and I lifted up and literally he I think he hit his he cut his lip blood everywhere and I was like what is with this kid man so I quickly picked him up and I got the tea towel and I was like putting it's pressing on his face looking hoping his teeth are all there and then my wife came down I was like what else are you doing and I was like, oh, um, I was on the VR headset. Oh, man. As soon as I said I was on the VR headset, it was just yeah. like, oh, it's such a disaster. You're still allowed to play it? I, I do play it. Yeah, I do. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
they should maybe invent something to like keep track of the kids that are around you so that you could uh, yeah you could play it in peace but I don't know uh, maybe that's something for me to talk to Mark Zuckerberg about one of these days um, but yeah it's um yeah, talking about being a dad and, um, you know, maybe not having as much, you know, responsibility. Uh, you know, some people think that, oh, it's a bit jokey, isn't it? That, oh, you know, the, the dad's not doing quite as good a job as he could do. But there was a, a tweet that came out this week and I'm going to read it because I can't even I can't even believe someone's thumb touched the keypad and wrote this out and then pressed send and thought, yes, I've I've added something good to the world. Wow, great for fathers spend time with their kids and support mom, moms. But any man in an important position who takes six months of leave for a newborn is a loser. Wow. In the old days, men and babies worked harder to provide for their future. That is the correct masculine response. And that's from Joe Lansdale, um, a American with a tick. Uh, on- he's an entrepreneur and investor. Yeah, you know, one of those yeah, people. I mean, everyone's an entrepreneur. I call myself an entrepreneur. What I mean, he's clearly, I mean, you could tell. I mean, I don't even need to look at his background. I know that he already, he like inherited half his wealth and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> he's, he's that guy. And, you know, he's that the guy. kind of, yeah, yeah, he's that guy. A like, real man gets, buys well, a maid to take care of their children. Exactly. That's a manly thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that was in response to Joe Rogan. And who was like also just being a bit of a knob, like saying he didn't know potentially even uh, exists, and he was criticizing Petyuk, Joe Rogan, absolute meathead. He used to be so cool. What happened, Joe? I mean, ugh, what a loser. Um, yeah, man, you should listen to a proper podcast like this one instead. Anyway, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my god, I remember like <laughs> I, like back in the day. So I like Joe Rogan because he was obviously a commentator for UFC. So I like, heard him amazing mm. there, and I thought, oh, his podcast will be about that. And he's just talking about smoking weed all the time. And I was like, oh, wow. And then he's just talking about things with such, like as if he just knew everything about it. And it was just, mm. it was just gross. But this guy with this whole, like, it's just kind of pure toxic masculinity. Disgusting, isn't it? Like, if you're a da- if you want to be like, if you want to spend time with your children, you're a loser. Like, what the hell? Like, who thinks like mm. that? Only someone who like couldn't possibly. Contemplate. I'm a loser and proud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you took time out. I mean, you you took some pat leave, yeah. didn't you? I took three months. Yeah, and how did you find um, that? It was great. And if I'm lucky enough to have another kid in the future, I think I would take even longer. Mm. Um, the more the more time, the better. Yeah. Um, I don't understand. Like, I love my job and everything, um, but that time is just incredible. And she changes so much every day. Mm. Um, And, you know, every time I do a set of long days or whatever, I feel like I miss out on so much. Um, That having my Wednesdays off to be with her, um, having those three months at the beginning, like, you you can't replace that with anything. Um, And it's sad. Like, I feel like this guy... I don't know if he has kids. I don't know. I didn't, I've not looked at the tweets. I don't know what his deal is, but it's sad that men and their kids are both losing out with that sort of attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. Kids get annoying after a while, though. Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. that why you put the VR headset on and they accidentally fall uh, by themselves? Yeah. Well, you I know, mean, part of the reason I got it was, you know, because, uh, you know, genuinely, I, I got forced to watch uh, Paw Patrol the other day. And I was sitting there for half asleep. You know, it was all right because every man cinema is eating some great food and munching away. And it ends yeah. up costing quite a lot because you just end up sitting there eating all day. But um, I really thought to myself, if I had a VR headset, I could watch whatever I wanted while they watch Poor Patrol and eat. This is great. I should have, why did I not think about this before? And that was part of the reason I thought maybe getting that uh, VR headset would be a good idea that I could start to, you know, go to places and actually enjoy myself. But um, anyway, look, um, sometimes uh, you're welcome going on call. You're welcome getting out of the house because... Um... 
<laughs> you might get some understudies. But you told us you actually have a sleeping baby, which is nice, actually. You're quite, you're yeah, one of the yeah, lucky no, few. My, my wife was baby. like intense on the um, sleep courses and things like that. She's, she's a dermatologist. She's not a real doctor. Yeah, Karen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly she wasn't at work. So she needed something else to occupy all that energy with. So she looked into all these sleeping courses and things. And uh, yeah, our baby sleeps 12 hours a night since she's been four months old. Yeah, Thrusha, doesn't that make you sick? Like, what is that? What is that? Thrusha <laughs> looks like he's about to vomit. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't look very happy right now. <laughs> yeah, that he's was like... some sleep deprivation, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids are tough, man. They really are, honestly. I think um, I've seen Nina tweet the odd thing every now and again about how sweet and all this stuff. And I feel like I, I need to say something, like, just to counter it. But, you know, I've already, I've, I think I've just about survived the dog thing. I don't think I could survive <laughs> another beating. So let, let's just, yeah, let me just, you know, uh, stay off stay off the radar for a bit longer until everyone and just forgets about that um getting up in the morning so like because i live i live like an hour and a half away from work so when i've um got cool. like a cath uh cath lab list or whatever then i have to be there for about 7 30 so i leave the house at six which means i wake up about quarter past five right and when i get out mm. of bed so at this point erin somehow ended up in our bed and so it's literally like i i have to move so, like a ninja but like just like so slowly like so I move out of the bed because it's like it's like setting off a bomb like if he wakes up then Joe wakes up and I'm like Joe gets like no sleep or whatever because he wakes up every I don't know five seconds for a feed or whatever it is he wants and then so I get out of there and then the floor upstairs is really really creaky and then we've got like a stair gate because Lily sometimes mm. sleepwalks and we don't want to sleepwalk off the stairs so we put the stair gate on still and so when I open that it makes this click noise and that click Lily is so so attuned to literally like this morning at like 5.30 she hears the, like literally I can hear like the click and I hear the dung as like both her feet get out of the bed and she's like around the corner literally I've just clicked it just clicked it open and she's run there and I'm like Lily it's dark outside everyone's asleep go back to bed and I click it shut and I'm like sneaking out the door and then like uh, and then when I get home like so when I got home this evening I said to Joe, oh what time to get up this morning and she's like 5.45 and I know exactly what Lily did she went into the bed waited till I left the front door and then she went into Joe's room and woke her up and I was like oh, oh kids oh my think. god <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah man I mean I find it really scary when they do that sleepwalking stuff it yeah, freaks me freaky. out right? just, you know, yeah I don't know yeah, they say not to you're not meant to disturb them too much isn't it it's true actually because it's like supposed to mess up with their mental state but speaking of weird stuff because there was this thread which I did think it was like an interesting thing to think about so this was a tweet by Ollie Burton um, and he said med twitter anyone had experience of patients or families trying to covertly record consultations happened to me for the first time this morning and was very uncertain what to do or how to feel about it which i thought was a really interesting question that's not happened to me have you guys got any mm. experience of that yeah have you ever been filmed like this without your knowledge or with your knowledge i have had people bring out phones and wanting to record they were very open about it they i think this comes down to what the intention is so when it's happened with me, it's a patient that's come to clinic by themselves and, you know, maybe they, their memory's not so great and they want to be able to tell their kids later on, oh, this is what the doctor said, that sort of thing. Um, and so you can understand where they're coming from. I think if someone appears to, you know, and they're, they're doing it secretly because they, they want to catch you out or they want to sue you or whatever, I think you're already losing there because that person's <laughs> come at you with bad intention and yeah. there's... Like, what what can you do to change that? If someone's going to be like that, they're going to be like that. But the majority of the times that I've seen it is 
because people, you know, genuinely they, they want to take a picture of their x-ray to show their their family or, oh, you know, my cousin's a doctor. I just want to get their opinion on this stuff. And mm. I think that is a, a lot to how we deal with it. And one of my consultants, he, he got me to change something that I do in clinic, which was dictate the clinic letter with the patient in the room mm. yeah. and say, this is what's going to go in your letter. We're going to send you a copy as well. Is there anything else that you want me to put in? Oh, can you put that thing you said about that inhaler so that, you know, I can, I can let my, my cousin know or whatever else. Um, and I think in that situation, it's fine. Uh, but if people are coming because they want to catch you out and whatever else, I think that's that's a problem. Yeah, it is to do with intention, I guess. I think for me, I, I was working in a children's hospital and um, I was in the middle of, you know, taking looking at a few pictures of the ultrasound I just took and there was suddenly a flash behind my head. And I turned around and I was like, what was that? And they were like, oh, uh, sorry, we're just taking a photo for, you know, our daughter's show and tell. And I thought it'd be good to show them what they get up to when they come in for these sca- these routine scans. And then I thought, even though there's signs everywhere saying that, um, you know, no cameras, no photos, nothing like that, I felt a bit like, you know, I don't want to get be that guy to like tell them to delete their phone. And I just sort of said, well, I guess I don't know whether you did or did not take that photo. I just felt a flash. And they kind of like went, oh, okay, I get you. And that was it. So we just didn't say anything else. And I think they continued. Mm. I could hear something clicking in the background. I just completely pretended I didn't know anything about it. And similarly, when I'm in uh, doing ultrasound, sometimes I'm looking at the the x-ray prior to look at doing the ultrasound. And then the patient will be like, hey, doc, can I quickly take a photo of that? And again, you know, there's pictures all over the place, no photos and all that. And I said, look, it's on the screen. I don't know whether you take your photo or your camera out or not. It's up to you. But I need to just concentrate on this other screen over here. And I kind of really gesture that way. And then you can, you can, most people get it and they're like, okay. And then I can hear something happening in the background, but I'm not really entirely aware of what's happening. But you kind of make that judgment, don't, don't you? Like, you know, you know, like someone's take a photo of the x-ray. I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's a bit of fun. They're going to show their friends and family, like, oh, look at the state of my mm-hmm. leg. That's what happened. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I explain to them where the fracture is or wasn't and stuff. But yeah, when people are trying to catch you out, has it ever happened where you've been tried, they've someone tried to catch you out at all, or you've always had it to be, um, you know, kind of more innocent. Well, stuff. they have. They've I've not um, known about it. They've probably done it in secret. The other thing is, most people can't even work out what my name is. So if they've sent in a complaint, like they'll have done it against Arthur. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some other brown person. Just any brown person. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's true. The great yeah. things about being brown, they get confused. Yeah, yeah, well, actually, this yeah. this actually happened in. Uh, oh, yeah. There was a place I was working at, and I think the ultrasound machine had a list of patients on the actual ultrasound machine. And when the doctor wasn't looking, they took a photo of that list and tweeted it saying that you know i just had an ultrasound at this place and this was left on on the thing so actually they did they obviously in the, in, a, in the most nhs way possible they've got a piece of a4 paper sellotaped to the front of the screen and so when what we're meant to do is kind of let that piece of paper fall on top when the, when the patient wasn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's the way they dealt with it they text all that stuff yeah 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 it was funny yeah some some big brain energy there <laughs> yeah just put it there sellotape some paper but- yeah in America, don't they? I know there's places in America because people get sued all the time, mm. where the medical staff and the hospital staff are preemptively doing this themselves. And even with operations and things, I've heard surgeons record the whole thing from start to finish, yeah. uh, give a copy to the patients yeah. because they're like, you know, if I'm going to get sued or a complaint or whatever, 
here's my evidence. Here's it from my well, side. Well, that's how you can see it, isn't it? Like, it's there to protect you too, like wearing body cams for like a policeman. I mean, that's another thing. Mm. But, but I mean, that, that's some of the replies. Like if you see Selva, Selva's replies, yes, patients are allowed to record it as it's their consult and part of their own medical record. I sometimes encourage them to record overt- overtly. Issue can arise if they use it publicly to defame you or post on social media. If that happens, then seek legal advice and medical defense. And Wendy Byrne also mentioned that, uh, so she did, uh, there's a really good link on the BMA website site patients recording consultations and there's some guidance by mps if you guys experience it and want some guidance oh really oh, look that up maybe we should link it um but you know like where arafat you're saying that you actually dictate the letters out loud so you know so there's certain code language that you may use to try and describe you know you're trying to talk, tell Thrusha that this one's a bit gonna be difficult you know mm. and there might be some code words i mean you're not gonna be like um yeah so i spoke to mr subject who's difficult and um they were <laughs> pretty difficult to deal with they didn't understand but there are ways to communicate certain things isn't it and i think through you touched upon the thing where you, you know you made something like um we we spend the first one hour talking about what their name is then that kind of that would be like okay that tells you they're gonna be long yeah i think like, i've seen certain consultants who do this and that don't they but i guess it's to give because it's to kind of give themselves like also to like help you remember what the consul- how the consultation went, I guess, um, because like what else can you really tell us? I mean, what else is there to give yourself a clue about? But I remember there's this one consultant who uses the line, "Oh, this this patient had an interesting constellation of symptoms," and that's basically to describe like oh, I had no idea what was going on. And so, <laughs> um, but I kind of wonder, yeah. you know, like you get those people who are like this pleasant, this delightful, and if they don't use that word. Then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's something up there, isn't it? Yeah. Have you guys read The Digital Doctor by Robert Wachter? Wachter? I don't no, know how his name. No. Um, it's really good. I really recommend it. So, it's about this came across me when I was doing the the IT work for my flexible portfolio training, and it talks about the digital revolution in healthcare and what electronic patient records are, and actually, why do we keep records, and how much of it is driven by insurance companies in America, you know, tick box exercises and things. But actually, what would the ideal be? So much of what we do is, you know, we spend 10% of the time with the patient, 90% with uh, the documentation, and we're doing so much stuff for medical legal reasons. But this sort of digital utopia would be actually all that medical legal stuff is taken care of by an AI. Like you walk into a room and the computer records, you know, Arafat walked in at 9am, talked about smoking satiation, blah, blah, blah. And then it's about shared records. So, you know, you click your fingers and on the screen suddenly appears their CT scan and you go, you know, look, this thing, it's a mass. We want to do a bronchoscopy, blah, blah, blah. You consent them properly. You know, so many people aren't consented properly for things. And I think really what we want in the future, the role of the doctor is to explain things. So even if you have someone who's maybe difficult or got unrealistic expectations, you're not in a rush because you don't need to sit and document all the weird stuff that you don't want to document. Your, your your entire job, because you know you're a radiologist, so much of your job is going to be taken over by AI and automatic reading and blah blah blah. But actually, your job will then be to communicate that to the MDT and say, actually, this is why the computer thinks this is a tumor and this isn't, and blah blah blah. So, I think this whole shared record keeping is probably a really really good thing and something we should be moving towards. Um, and I really recommend that book if people want to think about this a bit more philosophically. Why do we even keep records and where did it all start from? Mm, I think I will read that. that. Sounds very interesting. I think there's, um, you know, Tim Ferriss, he's written a book called The Four Hour Work Week. And I think he, um, I, I mean, I listen to his podcast every now and again, and he says, 
His line, which I really sticks to me, especially because I do other things, is if this was easy, what would it look like? Like, what would it look like, right? So then you've mm. got to go in this flight of fancy. It's like, if this was an easy thing to do, what would it look like? And so actually I use that a lot with, um, with the lecturing business that I do and all the other things that I get up to. When things get really difficult, I think to myself, if this is easy, what would it look like? And then I imagine, oh, right, okay. So I guess in this situation, I wouldn't be the one fixing the website. I'd get someone else to do that. Well, that's clearly what I need to do then, you know? And it, that kind of change in mentality is what you need. And so especially with consultations and stuff, the, the first step I would always think is like, if this is easy, what would it look like? And it's exactly that. Like uh, you'd go in, you'd concentrate on the patient, concentrate on communicating with the patient. Something else is taking the notes, taking, you know, doing all the bits that you don't need to do. But unfortunately, I mean, we know that in the NHS, they, I feel like they try and lumber the doctor with more and more and more stuff to do. You know, like when it's note taking, it's a doctor's job. They got to make their 250 grand back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somehow. And if, it's gonna, and if it's making you fill out a form, they're going to make you fill out a form, you know. But, um, you know, we, we are talking, we were talking about how there are secret languages, secret codes that we may, may, not secret codes, but there was a bit of a language you use to describe, you know, certain people, patients, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a tweet from Nabila Mayat, and um, hopefully I've said that right. Apologies if I haven't. Um, what are some of the things that you consider to be hidden social rule when working in the clinical hospital environment? I found the job is a whole other kettle of fish to places where you didn't need to know social rules as you weren't even seen as part of the team. And that was kind of, you know, talking about sort of secret communication, I get. I mean, that's what they were they're getting at, right? So, I mean, look, for example, Thrusha, if I, if someone said to me, you know, I'm not saying Thrusha is like this, but if someone said to me, oh, what's Thrusha like working with? Then you say, oh, um, he's very thorough. Yeah. Would basically mean, oh, he's yeah. he's going to be particular, <laughs> he's going to be very particular ones. Yeah, exactly. You know that kind of thing. So yeah, have you guys experienced that or know any any other kind of buzzwords that we should be aware of when describing places of work or people that you work with? Um, he's quite a character. Yeah, is <laughs> one that you hear a lot. Yeah, yeah. But what does that really mean? Because that... old school. He's old school. As long as he isn't it. Yeah. It's true. It's true. What does it mean? <laughs> so true. What's yeah. the code for? Just difficult, probably. Yeah, old school is going to be like, yeah, they're they're not with the time. They're going to. I mean, I would have thought yeah. that would mean that they're, they're going to get you to fill out all the paperwork or all the you know electronic notes. They're going to because yeah. you know I still remember this day when I was um, walking down the corridor at work and then this old school consultant and he was just like Imran and I was like, oh man, I've done something. What have I done? And I walked in and he's like, I need your help. And I was like, going, what is it? And it turned out he had this digital frame and it had a you know digital. Ca- uh, pictures going across and he was swearing at it because like his fa- his um, daughter's father-in-law kept popping up the screen and he didn't want him anymore on the screen because he didn't he had another argument with him and he wanted him off the screen it was really upsetting him and he's like I need to delete this photo but I don't know how to <laughs> and so I'd never seen this thing before so I had to like really look in the instructions look on the internet figure it all out it took me about an hour and a half and I finally managed it and deleted this picture and he was so happy but then it also meant I turned up late to the next session <laughs> and because I was where you been and I was like um <laughs> I was stuck with uh uh, yeah, and, and I tried to explain it, and he was just like, "You're an idiot." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? The kind of things that we, um, we're the secret language that we have. Well, I mean, there are, there are a few kind of things, weren't there? So they mentioned like if a senior is described to you as particular or thorough, so we use those. But I remember once in a mm. show, this is what I was a, uh, kind of, you know, how I've said, I think I did a thread kind of ex- apologizing for being a bit, well, too much of a pain in the ass when I was a junior edge probably still am now but maybe less of a pain in the ass I don't know but um, someone said that I was oh I don't take any shit and as soon as she said it to me 
like she said it i know she said it in an earnest nice way like i knew she was it was a compl- mm. like she meant it as a compliment but as soon as the words left her mouth i was like i need to re i like i knew i have to reevaluate my behavior because like that's not how mm. i wanted to be seen and i was like what am i like i'm obviously giving off something like i'm obviously doing this wrong but i knew straight away that that meant that i was just hard to please um, perhaps difficult to work with and um, yeah it was a real eye-opener for me to be called that yeah that is code isn't it if someone says you don't take because if someone said that to me uh taking referrals and i'll be like yeah okay so basically saying i'm difficult and i don't let scans through or something and yeah i mean yeah but i mean that's good that you've sort of taken on and tried to sort of reflect on that rather than just be like yeah man i don't it's <laughs> yeah, cool yeah. I'm, I'm i'm cool with that let's uh let's keep going with that you know yeah, yeah, sure. um, i have no idea what people think of me i should find out you should find out yeah maybe ask them <laughs> on twitter um yeah i mean there's the other that kind of brings us on to claire gerardo's tweet as well like where i mean it's that she she did this tweet um uh, showing all the letters that they have to deal with in gp you know they have to it's, mm. it seems to me they take a lot of a lot of shit basically and she that's what she's alluding to that she get they get loads and loads of letters from the hospital and a lot of the letters will be like gp to do gp to do gp to do mm. i'm certainly guilty of that when i've got a patient who is you know um so like the other day i had to do an injection on someone's shoulder and i was going to do it and then they told me oh by the way i've already had this injection i was like where because my gp did it like a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, well, if your GP did it a couple of weeks ago, I can't do another steroid injection so soon. We have to wait before and see whether that really works. And they got really upset and then went on and on and on. Like, you know, like it hasn't worked. Like, why can't I just do it anyway? And and, this. and then I just came down to my standard line. You should talk to GP about that. Because <laughs> there's only so much I can do. And I felt bad, but there's only so much I can really do. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have the facility to really go into the ins and outs of what steroids can do uh, if you have too much of it. But yeah, I mean, they're taking a brunt. But um, Arafa, you came out with an interesting point about Claire Gerardo and her tweets. You know, yeah. yeah, I think that actual tweet in itself, because it was talking about so much workload that's having to go to GPs. Um, and she said, there must be a better way. And I, I think if you if you read further down, it's this things like, um, what if, you know, discharge medications, we had an, a, a joined up IT system where patients' records were automatically updated rather than someone at the GP practice having to. But then on the other side, there was people in secondary care being like, well, do you know how many referrals a consultant has to deal with and blah, 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 blah. And I think this is the thing I was saying about the meme reg account and the fact that I don't put a lot of myself into it because I'm fairly inoffensive on the internet. And I think if I'd said that, I don't think people would have had a problem with it. I think with this person, because there's history yeah, of maybe is. antagonizing secondary care, you, you, there's a little bit of bitterness in how people read the tweet. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes online sometimes even good things get lost when they, they come from someone that you maybe have beef with. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's what we need to be able to go, oh, actually, what good can we take from this? And learn. I know myself, I used to accidentally dump a lot of stuff on GPs until I started seeing all this stuff on Twitter and be like, actually, why, why am I not organizing this? And even in my letters now, if I'm saying, please, can you prescribe? I, I put a little explanation because this was a telephone consultation, I have no way of getting a prescription to this patient. Mm. If they're in hospital, I would have done it, but I'm really sorry. Can you just add it onto the prescription? So I'm finding myself apologizing to GPs if I am asking them to do things. So I think that's one really good thing about social media that we can learn and empathize with other specialities. Um, But sometimes if someone's already been antagonizing, then it's hard. Yeah, that's so true actually, how you can, how you read, how you read their tweets. Um, because if it was like from Vein Man or something, then you know, obviously, 
<laughs> it's yeah. just different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, even, even good dietary advice from a cardiologist who doesn't like donuts may be taken the wrong way, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> because of the history of uh, some of what they've, they've been up to. Exactly. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Arafat. Like, um, being a bit more active on Twitter has really opened my eyes up to the other sides of medicine that I've long forgotten about or not even thought about, you know? Like, um, I just think that it has, it has really opened up you know, you're right. If you, it depends on the kind of person you are. Like, if you're willing to take those lessons, because some people will get on there with their agenda they had prior, not willing to learn anything, and start causing all sorts of havoc. Right? Um, then they start to cause all sorts of trouble and, and things like that. Um, but I mean, speaking about letters that have gone out um, to people um, that maybe shouldn't have gone out to people, did we see? I mean, there was a real big debacle um, that happened this week, and uh, we've seen this time and time again where uh, offers. I think it was anaesthetics. They were Get there, a whole load of offers went out for a whole load of anaesthetic posts mm. and then it turned out they were sent out an error and I mean let's be honest this is not the first time it's happened to medical people mm. and um, yeah so yeah it, uh, offers went out by accident and it turned out it was by accident and I had to retract the offers and say yeah sorry about that yeah I mean the, the, the email <laughs> if you read the email mate it's ridiculous it's like further to our recent communication in Oriole we are writing to let you know that due to an error you received an incorrect offer in the first wave of offers this will of course be disappointing news oh my god what an understatement and we would like to apologise mm. for any uncertainty and distress this will cause you there is a chance that you could receive an offer if posts become available although this can be guaranteed offers are recycled regularly we advise you to keep an eye on this through the Oriole portfolio. it was just like so it's kind of it's a half-hearted it's bland isn't it it's a it's a massive cock up and people's lives and it's just not enough due diligence and with these things you hear like people send out these emails and then go and leave for three weeks so all these people are trying to phone up about it and they're like oh yeah sorry (laughs) i remember when it happened to the medics uh, i think it was a year just above me when they were applying for their st3 things it was it was on like a Friday evening at 4 p.m. that they yeah, yeah. let this out. And it was just before a bank holiday as well. And I think the saddest part of this is that it's not a bigger story. Yeah, it's true. Because it happens so often. The fact yeah. that we're not making a bigger deal about this because we're all just rolling our eyes and going, yep, it's happened it's again. again yeah. That's that's the saddest thing about this. Um, but also, uh, you know, I, I saw other people talking about, well, human error happens, but it's about how you communicate that and say, like... For all the times it's happened before, when it happened with the foundation program, when it happened with the medicine stuff, I don't know what the investigation or this, you know, we all learn interviews, blah, blah, blah. Whenever there's an incident, we're going to look at systematic change and what lessons can we learn as a team? Which can you imagine, you know, Thrusha sending out letters all the time being like, uh, I'm really sorry to hear that you attended with a STEMI recently. I put the stent into the wrong blood vessel mm. um you may or may not get better deal with it yeah and that mistake just kept happening again and again and again and that that's what's really upsetting about this yeah. and you just feel powerless i find that deeply upsetting actually that example <laughs> yeah, there you well, why, why would you say that <laughs> how dare you yeah you know at least go for imran yeah exactly for god's sake yeah yeah no, but I mean, it's, it's, I, I completely agree. I mean, the thing is, I, I was thinking about the other way. Like I've been in the situation where a, a, a mess up has actually been beneficial 
like massively oh, yeah. beneficial to the point actually saved my, you know, potentially completely changed trajectory of my entire career. Um, and I, I mentioned, I mean, there's actually been two occasions, but I, I mentioned one and another one I will mention at some other point. But um, the first time was when it was a foundation jobs and uh, I initially had a job in um, Blackburn and I don't have a problem with Blackburn, no issues there, but it was far away from a family. I didn't want to go there. And um, I reapplied because I flunked finals and then they put me back in Blackburn and it turned out to be a mess up. Someone forgot to say that I was going to reapply and said I was going to hold on to the place that I didn't want to hold on to. And I made a big stink. I went up to the dean. I complained. I said I was going to not turn up to the exam because they messed me over and all this kind of stuff. And eventually they said, look, we'll settle on something. You know, why don't we let, give me a week and I'll sort something out. And then a week later, he gives me a call and says, Imran, how would you like to be a Barnet Chase Farm for the first year F1? And I thought, yeah, that's literally 10 minutes down from my house. I'll take that. Where's the next job? And they're like, oh, that'd be Basildon. And I was like, Basildon? Why Basildon? Oh, come on, man. That's like an hour away. Uh, but, you know, that it, that did change, change the trajectory. Yeah, exactly. It did because then I met someone that helped me get into radiology and now I'm a consultant there and having a lovely time there but um i can imagine the person that may not have got an offer <laughs> you know and then feeling really sad about it suddenly get that email saying that oh there's been a mess up with the offers thinking yes <laughs> there is still <laughs> a chance yes can you imagine that person they're not they're gonna be very quiet on twitter they're not gonna be like this is the best thing that ever happened to me there will be people who have won out but this is the thing it's the it's a random emotional trauma that just gets dealt out and i think it's it i always feel like there's more people being hurt than helped by this sort of stuff and it's um I don't know. It's all this. What's it called? Gurft, gurft, whatever. Get it right first time. Yeah, it would be nice if they just could get it right the first time, but it's sometimes nice when they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, so all these kind <laughs> of efforts, diversity, right? So that's that's we we've collected a number of different tweets about all that. So like the diversity dons who like um, I think so. Minna he did a little tweet, and it literally was like, I mean, what it's actually amazing and it's a photo of this diversity group at the Brumfield and they're all white people um so there's that which is great in a way because when you think about it there's another tweet where they're like for diversity training only black people turned up and it's like mm, it's like the opposite yeah uh, <laughs> yeah and then it's just there's so much oh my favorite one was well, not my favorite as in it's just so terrible so uh there's a tweet by nicole melzak who said my university seems to be setting up a reverse mentoring scheme where students from diverse backgrounds mentor senior staff about their experience in he what's he um why not hire an EDI consultant instead of putting all the pressure on minoritized folk? Isn't that ex essentially what happens? Oh, in fact, that was a theme this week, you know, like minoritized folk having to ex explain stuff to other people. Uh, do you know what I'm talking mm. about there? Yeah, I, I think I saw that, the, the tweet that you're referring to. It, it's really difficult because on the one hand, like you only need these diversity things happen. A lot of people come at you with really good intention. And they ask genuine questions. Oh, why, why, why something like this? What's something like that for? Um, and I remember someone, it's happened a couple of times, asking me about, you know, they, they want to set up a, a prayer facility. So uh, then, then, then find out I'm Muslim and they ask questions like, okay, what do, you, what do the Muslim people need? Is it prayer mats? Is it this or that? Blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, okay, but what's the jug for in the bathroom? What's that? <laughs> I mean, you have to explain the whole bum washing thing. And then, but then, then on the other side of like, you know, this reverse mentoring thing. And the, like, when I was 18, 19, like I barely 
can articulate things about racism now, let alone mm. when I was at uni. What am I going to achieve or change? It's just extra pressure on people. And then you're sat there, I, I can imagine, with some white professor who's like 50 years old, or not 50, but like 50 years older than you. Mm. And you're trying to explain racism to them. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and, exactly. and this is my jug. And uh, this is what I use it for. <laughs> Go try it. But it's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just... It's big generalizations. It's big token gestures, mm. um, you know. And this whole reverse mentoring. Uh, there's an assumption there that the, the the old white professor is racist, and that's not helpful <laughs> yeah. as well in a, in a different way. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, um, it does actually remind me. Uh, back in the day, I I was in. Uh, I think I was ST two, and um, you know, obviously, I, I I go pray. So I, I left for five minutes, and I came back, and Cassandra's like, "Where where did you go?" I was. I just went. Uh, you know, I was. I. I wasn't always as open about it. So I was like, "Oh, look, I just had to disappear for five minutes. Why did you need to disappear?" I was like, "Okay, fine. I went to pray for five minutes." Oh, oh, are you Muslim? I was like, "Yeah." And then she started asking me lots of questions, and I thought, "Yeah, you know what? You you go hit me. Hit me with whatever questions you want. I'm more than happy to answer all your questions. Let's go for it." So then she started. She went onto Wikipedia, typed in Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, <laughs> and started to go through. Wait, in front of me? Oh, hang on, hang. Yeah, in front of me, and she was like, "Oh, hang on. Why has he got so many wives?" And I was like, oh, okay. So I, like, and it went on and <laughs> it went on and on and on. And then, you know, it went even more bizarre. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I still remember I used to live like opposite a flat which had loads of Muslims in it. And uh, I'm Where's pretty sure going? it was like, yeah, yeah exactly. Did you know them? Are they your family? <laughs> it went even more bizarre. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. You know, they used to have like loads of crazy parties around Ramadan and just throw food around and, how, and I could see the food being thrown. So it doesn't sound like something Muslims would do. What are, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. So after a while, like, I think she was saying a few things that are a little bit like, I think you're being a little bit um, insulting, but I, I took it as like, well, fine, whatever. But at the end of the session, I said, listen, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool about these things and you can ask me whatever you want, whenever you want and stuff, but just be a bit careful because some people might take that a little bit insulting. But, you know, I'm cool. Don't worry about no no worries mm. right and then i went on leave a week later i came back and one of the other guys came and goes bro what earth did you say to that consultant i was like why <laughs> she goes they've gone and told everyone that you're some sort of militant and never don't bring up the religion thing and it's a really big subject just do not do not you know go don't approach him about anything to do with islam and i'm oh, like whoa. that's like literally the opposite of what i said oh, like God what on earth is going on here and it's like yeah yeah she's gone and told everyone dude you've got to be careful i was like oh I'm going to go to her for every single IPEX and DOPS and everything that I need because uh, now I know she's scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but doesn't that, that reminds me, I think, wasn't it you, you were telling me this other story about, um, because like basically what she did was she flipped, she became, she made this herself the victim in that, even though she, essentially she put you on the spot and made <laughs> yeah, other you. Put, yeah, yeah. And mm. then she made yeah. you the aggressor. And you, I think, did yeah. you mention another story where like some white lady did that? about a black person being like oh like um there was a meeting and black- oh, yeah, there's a tweet about it it ain't about you yeah it's a tweet wasn't it it was a tweet that came up where they had a they had a meeting and um i think there was a black lady there who wasn't saying very much in the meeting and um i think pathos might have made a tweet about this and they said to the black lady why are you not saying anything they, then that lady said listen you know um i'm a black person and i've just over the years i don't like to put myself out there in front of a room full of you know basically white people and then one of the white people in the room started crying and saying talking about how it made them feel and it's like well hang on <laughs> this is not you know it's not about you and how you feel like this is this is the reality of the situation that you need to be aware of um yeah that was something that i think we spoke uh, about um, yeah, to each yeah. other yeah not that didn't happen to me but we spoke to each other about it because it was an interesting oh, interesting tweet that came up and um i think it's really tricky with this diversity stuff because on the one hand you're 
you know, you you want to be people to be able to ask you questions or whatever else and educate and share and whatever else. But also, how can you as one person represent yeah. an entire race or yes, an entire religion exactly. or entire whatever? And your life experience is so different to, uh, you know, the next person, the next person, the next person. And then suddenly you're like, oh, am I suddenly an ambassador for all brown people? Yeah. Am I an ambassador for this religion or that religion? And do I have to be extra polite and be mindful of this person's feelings mm. because I'm suddenly representing all these other millions of people? And that's, I find that really difficult and never quite sure how to... I find exhausting. Sorry? I find exhausting because yeah. I, I remember I used to turn to placements and sometimes be like, I would go to the consultant and say like, hey, do you mind if I borrow your office for like maybe five minutes? And they're like, why? I was like, just because, I, okay, look, I need to pray. It'll be very, very quick. I'll be in and out five minutes and be done. And I was like, yeah, but we had a Muslim who, who was with us last week and they didn't need that. Mm. And you think, so? Like, I'm asking you. Like, that's got nothing to, I'm not, you know, now you're putting me on the spot to try and explain like there are different, <laughs> there's different people who do their own thing. I don't I don't represent everyone. They don't represent me. I'm just asking. But I, I find it exhausting that, um, you know, I find myself in these situations where I do get someone Wikipediaing <laughs> the religion and asking <laughs> me, the, you know, Ibsen questions. It's crazy, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely mate. balmy because sometimes you just want to turn up and just do your job, man. I always get people Wikipediaing Mount Arafat and being like, it's not a very good mountain, is it? It's not even really a hill. <laughs> That's a terrible one. Giving me abuse about that. That's <laughs> <laughs> <No>, good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, I mean, look, we're coming up to time, but there yeah. was one particular tweet I'm sure Thurusha wanted to talk about. I'm so oh. sure that you want to talk about this one. I know, I know, go on, please take a guess. of all the ones that are left. Which is the one that I think Thurusha wants to talk about? Which one is it? Go on. I mean, I know what it is, it is, honestly, because it's the one I really want to say more than anything in the world. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just assuming this is the one. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. What, so what, what, what would you like to talk about, Thrusha, okay, to finish okay, things okay, off? Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. So it's by it's by bad medical takes. Okay, now hear me out. Okay, hear me out. So it says, <laughs> soak your dick in semi erect. Uh, in warm coke for 10 to 15. Actually, he doesn't give a unit of time. I'm assuming it's a he. Uh, it doesn't give a unit of time. So that could be 10 or 15 minutes, seconds. Days. It could be hours. No, but each day. So it can't be more than a day. But oh, hours, yeah. 10 to 15 hours. I mean, if you think about it, and he goes, when you wake up, when you wake up, oh my gosh, okay. Um, and he goes, this phosphoric acid is supposed to expand the blood vessels in your penis, which make it look thicker. Which make it look thicker, but it might not actually. So is that, well, anyway. <laughs> so that, and as the interventionalist through show yeah i thought talk us through this intervention yeah well yeah. i think it hasn't it doesn't we haven't employed it during primary pci um yet <laughs> but the there isn't uh, i don't believe i don't unless there's a randomized control trial so i need to set something up here because we don't believe in doing it unless there's a randomized control trial so we'll need to we'll see it and we'll compare we'll compare coke and pepsi I guess and water oh, of course. as the kind of and see which one isn't isn't the internet amazing like the things that catch on I mean because even didn't Jonah the person who actually tweeted it be like why did this why did this yeah, keep going yeah they did it as a joke and they <laughs> yeah. were like why why are people not realizing this is a joke please stop messaging me <laughs> <laughs> it's just too good it was just too good it was perfect storm. But um, I think it's because it just sounded so serious. It sounded like this person knows you know knows what they're talking about. Like um, you know. They to me, and the favorite, my favorite was Medic Russell just com- retweeting it and saying, "Is Pepsi, Pepsi okay?" okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun, isn't it? It's funny yeah. that you mentioned the author of the tweet because you know the guy who um, 
he coined the quote, you know, the Godwin's Law, where every kind of discourse on the internet gets uh, closer towards uh, comparison to fas- fascists. And like, so mm. this often gets kind of peddled out by right wingers when they get compared to Nazis. But then like when Donald mm. Trump uh, was like saying some stuff, that guy Godwin uh, came out and said, look, you know, you can compare that guy to the fascists all you want. That's fair. Like, you know, the guy who like said that phrase <laughs> because it just shows mm. like how like things just lose their meaning like on the internet. But yeah. oh, we wanted yeah, to say yeah. we are coming up towards the end, right? But we wanted to say thank mm. you for the for the review by anonymous sixty nine, <laughs> <laughs> anonymous sixty nine. Yeah, we saw your two star review of our show. Oh my god, the thing that we we, we don't get paid for, we do for free, and you know, uh, and this. yeah, but they, that person that did that review invested two hundred and fifty grand in you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they paid to go and podcast about yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly, they <laughs> deserve. Us, they deserve their their money's worth. Oh my gosh! Yeah, anyway, yeah. so their review was like, I don't see what the hype was all about. And I, and you know, originally when like Imran <laughs> sent this to me, I was like, Oh wow, they think there's hype about us. But then the second bit was like, they don't explain any of the tweets and stuff. So really sorry about that. So we've tried really hard, haven't we, in this one to like explain what the hell we're on about. But yeah, it's about being really meta. Med Twitter is one big in joke. Yeah, and then this podcast. Yeah, it is. So if you're not, if you don't get it, it's on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You <laughs> yeah, gotta get in. You gotta get it's stuck in. Yeah, yeah. And definitely follow us. I, I, we, we've been given that feedback before, so we have been trying. Hopefully, people have noticed over the last few episodes to try and read out the tweets a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Anonymous sixty nine. Yeah, well, you know what? Like, uh, this is what I would do with any MSF or anything that we've got. If anyone who likes the podcast does like the podcast, please do throw in a five star review. Dilute the pollution, as it is, you know, that's what we'd like to <laughs> <Yeah>. see. <laughs> pollution, yeah. yeah, so if you, if you guys could do us a favor, yeah, go ahead and do that and uh, maybe make that two star review disappear. Um, so, anyway, look, thank you. Uh, Arafat, honestly, it's been, I mean, I've been yeah. really looking forward to this. Yeah, really yeah. Have, we um, were like talking about it before. Yeah. We were so psyched and like, we've been talking for like two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's been, isn't it? Yeah, we've yeah. been talking for a long time. Um, no, we really appreciate it. Please do keep the memes coming on. I will challenge you when I feel like I'm strong enough yeah, to I take you. Yeah, I think we should definitely have a meme on. off. Yeah, me, what, me, you, Tech Priest, Radiology, uh, the Radiologist page, Zach. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach Ferguson as well. Get us a lot to do like a meme day and see see who wins and whoever wins yeah. gets donuts or something. That'd be awesome. Um, cool. Uh, so yeah, Arafat, thank you as yeah, always. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure and absolute honour to have you on. Thank you very much for having me on. Always a pleasure to be entertaining, hopefully, to everyone that listens to the podcast. Um, we had some wonderful comments this week. Um, Thrusha, you you brightened up someone's day just by being you. Did yeah, you see my that? Laugh. Oh, you know, mate. someone just likes your laugh. Um, yeah. Mate. So, uh, yeah, thank you for being you, Thrusha. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, uh, everyone, have a great week. Uh, try and be nice to each other and let's not get cancelled. All right, then. Bye, everyone. And you've been listening to Two Medics and One Mike. With Imran Lasker and Darusha Gawadna, thank you for listening.